appreciate that. If you have your Bibles tonight, turn with us to the book of Proverbs, please. The book of Proverbs. And we'll be in chapter number three tonight. Proverbs chapter number three. Brother Marvin starting to get dialed in now. We just make eye contact with each other and we know what we're thinking. That's a little scary, Brother Marvin. That's a little scary. All right, Proverbs chapter number three, if you will. Stand with us for the reading and reverence of the Word of God. We don't have a whole lot of reading to start out with. We've got a lot of reading, but not to start out with, okay? So Proverbs chapter number three, and I'm going to start my reading in uh, verse number... Um, well, I want to start, I guess, in verse number 5. I don't want to preach from there, but I believe it will be fitting for where we're going tonight. Uh, Proverbs 3 and 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. I think it goes without saying, but uh, you do know what happens when we lean unto our, uh, our own understanding. We'll get in trouble every time. Amen. So we trust in the Lord with all of our heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him. Now we know... That his ways are past finding out. So sometimes, Brother Marvin, I find that the Lord leads and guides and directs in ways that I, I probably would not go of my own accord. But nonetheless, we trust him. And so the Bible says, lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Now the Proverbs, you understand, is a little hard sometimes to get the context of. It almost seems like verses jump around as you, as you read the Proverbs. But... Notice with me, in all thy ways acknowledge him. You know that we can acknowledge him in some areas of our life and in other areas not acknowledge him. And so the Bible said, in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. And if we want the Lord to direct us and to guide us and to lead us, then we have to acknowledge him in every area and every corner of our life. Verse 7 says, be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel, and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. You can be seated. Heavenly Father, help us now, we pray. Ask that you touch us now for just a little while as we try to take this simple thought you've laid upon our heart. And really, Lord, it's my endeavor tonight to try to teach through a few things that you've shown me. Lord, that you've allowed me to, to apply to my life in days gone by and how I've seen the hand of God work in my life just by applying a few of the uh, scriptural precepts and principles that we find here in the Word of God. It's been a blessing to my life, and Lord, it has encouraged me. It's given me days that I could fall back on and be reminded of days you've helped me when others could not have just simply by putting my faith and trust in you. Doing sometimes, Lord, what I didn't feel like was maybe the best thing to do, but uh, from my carnal viewpoint, but we know that your wisdom is much more than ours, and you said you'd destroy the wisdom of the wise, and there's no doubt, Father, that your ways are past finding out. And I've learned, and I'm still learning every day, just to, just to slow down and to yield myself. And Lord, when it don't make sense, just, just look for the peace in it, and the Word of God in it, and know that you'll help us. And we trust, God, that you'll do that tonight as we open the Word of God and preach a little while. Pray that you take that sinner nearest hell, Lord, and save their soul. Show them their need of a Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So the Bible said, let me back up here for just a moment into verse number uh, 6. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. And sometimes I think we take the, the wisdom that we have in this world... And uh, we, we think sometimes that we know what's best. And then we find out that the Lord has altogether uh, a different direction for us. And Brother Shane had mentioned in Sunday school this morning, and I have been thinking along these lines myself. He was talking about, uh, and even Isaac had commented on it this morning in Sunday school, that everything that we have really goes back to the Lord. If you look at the resources that we have, I mean, even the car you drive, even the engine under the hood. I mean, those resources, man has harnessed the resources that God has given us on this earth. Man has learned to harness resources that in days gone by man had not harnessed. Uh, but still yet, everything that we have comes because of the power of God. Right. And uh, that is just in man's wisdom. Now, God said he'd destroy the wisdom of the wise. 
And so I began to think about that, and the Lord just caught my attention because, you know, we hear about Noah's Ark and things of that nature. And, and Brother, Brother Shane, when I, when I thought of this, I thought of you because you are a carpenter by trade and, and you do things with your hands that most people dream, dream about doing. And, uh, and I, I, I thought about that and I thought, what would it be like for God to have come down and spoke to Shane Bullock and told Shane that in 120 years I want an ark built? And this is how I want it built. And this is how I want you to do it. I feel like Brother Shane would be overwhelmed if he'd had to build the ark. Now, I don't know that the replica up in Kentucky is identical to maybe the way the ark was, but I did go see it out of sheer curiosity. And when I looked at it, I stood in amazement that a man and his sons could harness the resources in the day in which they lived to put something like that together. Then the thought hit me, how did they do it? They did it because they were obedient to God. Now here's the beautiful thing about this. Man looks at that and really and truly if you understood what it took to put that replica where it sits today, you'll find that every rent-a-center around here was, was uh, sold out from all the equipment it took to set that stuff and put it in place. Somehow though, Noah harnessed resources to get that happen. God will not ask us to do anything that he will not empower us to accomplish if we follow his leadership and direction. It seems almost at times as if it's undoable. It seems as if it doesn't make sense that we would do something a certain way. But at the end of it all, if we just follow the leadership and the direction of the Holy Spirit of God, and we have Him in mind, He will give us the ability to do what we could not do on our own. Now this goes in all facets of our Christian life, and I'm going to show you that, and, and I'm going to deal a little bit with finances tonight. I'm not going to deal with it maybe in its entirety uh, but I, I want you to understand something. Sometimes we don't do what we feel like we don't have the ability to do. But I'm reminded more and more every day that I have no ability at all. And anything that's ever been accomplished has only been accomplished through obedience to the will of the Lord. We look at ourselves and see what we cannot do. We look at our shortcomings. Just as this morning we was looking in the Word of God how we was was looking at uh, Isaac, and we were looking at Jacob, and we were looking at Esau. And when we read those verses of Scripture, you and I see the injustices in that. We fail to realize, though, we're on the backside of grace, looking at grace from the other perspective. See, we look at the elder brother having to give up his inheritance so that the younger brother could have the inheritance. That's why you and I have an inheritance today is because our elder brother gave up what was his and became poor that you and I could be made rich. Now we're called brethren. And so we, we see it in one light but don't, don't always see it in the other. And I, I, thought, I thought how often we do these things and sometimes we in our wisdom we see what we cannot do or what's too hard to accomplish or why we shouldn't do a certain thing but in all reality... We serve a God that can do whatever he wants to, however he wants to, whenever he wants to. And he's not bound by the things you and I are bound by. I was laughing. I, I, one missions conference I went and was listening to Dr. Bryant preach a missions conference. And he was talking about, I don't remember, it was an astronomical amount of miles that he put on a set of tires. And he had wore the tires down so low that he said, man, you could see the air in them things. And uh, what he was getting at was, is somebody was talking about how many miles they got out of a set of tires. And he said, well, listen to how many I got. And uh, he's just talking about the grace of God, getting him up and down the road and allowing him to get the, the good out of them tires. And sometimes I think God has a way of just entrusting him to make things stretch that you and I don't think would stretch. To do things with certain, certain resources that you and I in our wisdom don't see how it can be done. But God just wants us to step back and see the power of him. He wants us to witness. Now listen, the Lord gets the glory. He wants the glory. The Lord deserves the glory. The Lord hungers to get the glory. And it's just like God to do more with something than you and I think he can or think that can be done with these resources so that he can get the glory out of it. It is not God's desire for Brother Marvin to glory in anything save Jesus Christ and him crucified. It is not God's will for me to glory in anything save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. As we found out this morning, we are only saved by His grace. It cost our elder brother everything. And you and I are not worthy of anything tonight but hell. So how could we boast in anything save Jesus Christ and Him crucified? 
the Lord wants to use us and the Lord wants us to be willing vessels and he wants to do through us more than what we even realize he can do. Because we look at our limitations, we do not look at him. We see our weaknesses because I live in this weak flesh. I know what I am and am not capable of, but I've yet to see and begin to understand what God is capable of. And God's just wanting us to stand back and see the salvation of the Lord. To be still and know that he is God. And sometimes I think we get stuck and limit God on what he can do because we are limiting him based upon our own limitation. When really we should just be that vessel that he pours through us more and will do more through us than, he, uh, than we could ever imagine. And so in this instance, uh, the Bible says here, Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. I, I thought about the wisdom of, of, of Noah and, and what God done with him concerning that ark. And to think that God didn't ask him to do anything, Brother Shane, that, that he wasn't able to do. God's not asking us to do anything that we're not able to do through his power. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. We need the strength of the Lord. I believe the Lord will make things go that we and you could never make go. Hey, I've seen times in my life, Brother Marvin, when my wife and I have paid bills and went back and looked and we said, how did we make it that year? How did we do it? Really, it don't even make sense sometimes when things would just come in and help us right at the nick of time. I mean, at the last minute, God would show up and you know that it's just God. And you wonder how, and then you, you, you think, well, boy, if I had to live another year like that year I had last year, I'd be, I'd be nervous all over again. But God comes through, and God does, and God helps, and it's just like God to get the glory. And I believe in all areas of our life, whether it's our personal life, whether it's in our church, our marriages, our employment, it doesn't really matter. I believe God's expecting to get the glory out of every area of our life. Sometimes it means that you and I have to get to the place where we don't know, where we don't understand. Where it don't compute. Where the numbers don't add up. That's when God does something miraculous. God is not bound by the numerical codes that you and I are bound by. He's not bound by the time that you and I are bound by. What if it had taken Noah 140 years to build there? I believe God would have waited to send the rain for 140 years if that's what God wanted to do. As long as Noah was willing to do what God said do, I believe God blessed Noah for his efforts, he got more done in 120 years than all of us could have done in 45 lifetimes trying to do what he done. I can't help but, but think that when he stepped off that thing, Brother Marvin, and looked back at it, he went, man, I don't know how we done that except for God. How? How? How did he do that? I mean, the burden and the pressure that that must have been on him to know that if he didn't do this, his family wasn't going to survive. But somehow he harnessed the resources. Now, let me ask you a question. In 2022, in a day where we've harnessed pickup trucks, Brother Shane, to push 1,000 foot-pounds of torque and five and 600 horsepower, you can buy a pickup truck that'll do that today. How? We've learned to harness the resources. How did we do that? Man's wisdom. How much greater is God's wisdom than our own? Hey, we've not even begun to understand what God could do with the resources that he's given us. But we're limited in all that we've accomplished in life. How limited we are in comparison to what God can do with the resources that he has made and created. So really and truly, I, I, I get to reading this and I get encouraged because I realize that I limit just about every area of my life. I limit my home. I limit my ministry. I limit my preaching. I limit my teaching. I limit everything because I always look at me. When in all reality, the Lord just want me to look at him and say, I'm willing, do with me as you want to do. And I think we look at ourselves entirely too much and don't look uh, at the Lord nearly enough. And so the Bible says, be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits." Of all thine increase. Now, I want to pause here because I said I was going to deal with finances for just a little bit. You do understand that it takes the monies to operate, right? Whether it be at your house when it comes time to pay the water bill, or whether it be at the church when it's time to pay the light bill, or when it's time for Miss Pam to cut checks to the missionaries, that money has to come from somewhere, right? But does God need it? Well, let's think about that for just a minute. We'll say, well, if we don't have it, we can't give it, but does God need it? Does God need it to supply the needs of the missionaries? 
See, we're not giving those missionaries anything that they need. We're actually just capitalizing on an opportunity to get a blessing for giving to that cause. It's not that God needs us. And we're going to find that out here in just a few more minutes looking in these verses. But the Bible says, honor the Lord with thy substance. And, here's that, here's that word and, that means also. With the first fruits of all thine increase. Now here's what you and I do. You and I, we, we look at our income and we look at what God's doing and said, oh no, the preacher's going to start plugging for money. No, I'm going to teach us a principle or two tonight that I believe the Lord wants us to get a hold of to help us in every area of our life. I believe that the money is just a small thing. I believe the money here is a gateway to you seeing God's blessings on your life in every area of your life. Because he's not just expecting us to give of our finances. He's expecting us to give our life for him in every area of our life. All right? And so, but now the reason we deal with money is a lot of times that's the one area where we get restrictive. That's the area where we like to pinch down real hard and we like to have more control over that area of our spiritual life than other areas sometimes. Okay? But I want you to notice this. The Bible says, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Now you would understand and agree with me, and we don't have to deal with this tonight. I think every one of us saved by the grace of God grew up in church most likely and know this principle, but it's God's uh, uh, desire and will for our life according to the Scripture. We are to give 10% of our income to the Lord. It's not, it's not a question. It's not debatable. It's not something that you and I have to to sit down and pray about. We know that it's God's design and God's desire for us to give 10% of our first, or our, the first fruits, our income. We understand that we live by, by, the, by the green dollar bill, right? That's how we buy what we need. That's how we pay our way through life is through monies. And so we give 10% of that. But notice the Bible says, honor the Lord with thy substance. Now this, this, this intrigues me because as I consider this matter of substance, that does mean my money. I'm to honor the Lord with my money after and before I even consider that 10%. I still have monies that I ought to honor God with. Now, how I use that money, whether it be for missions or whether it be in life, how I use that money should honor God. So I want to say this, do you own anything? Do you have anything? Does something belong to you that you've purchased for yourself uh, that, can, that you don't honor God with? Can God be honored in what you own? Or could you have spent money on something that's dishonoring to God? Let me put it that way. Could you have something in your possession? Do you own something? Have you spent money in a way that would displease God? A lot of times we don't consider that because we think that the 90% hands off. See, the 10% is God's, the 90% is mine. No, the 100% is God's. 10% of it just went into the church account. 90% of it is you being a good steward of what God has given you, but it's really not yours to begin with. It's God's. So we you know, sometimes we have a business meeting and we vote on how we spend the monies that God says. Why? Because that's God's money. So is his money that's in your bank account. And how you spend it don't have to go before the church. And Brother Marvin don't have to give a, 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 a motion or make a motion. Brother Ray don't have to make a motion. Brother Isaac don't have to second the motion for how you spend that 90% that's in your account. But if you're spending any of that money on something that God does not be, or that dishonors God, then friend, you're taking God's money and you're flushing it, but you're also in sin. You're to take that money and honor God with it. So I have to ask myself the question sometimes before I take my 90% and say, God, what do I do with this? Now, I'll be honest with you, I, I have to reassess from time to time. But as of late, the Lord's just really shown me some areas, Brother Marvin, where I could tighten the harness just a little bit in some ways that would be, benefit me as a Christian, but allow more monies to go to the work of God. You say, well, preacher, I, I, I'm not giving everything. I mean, I, it's, we ought to. We ought to be willing to give anything and everything the Lord asks at any time he wants it. Whether it's money, whether it's your time, whether it's your physical labor, whether it's your... It doesn't matter. If God wants it, why could he not get it? We just learned this morning he give everything away for you and for me. He came for us, right? So look with me here. It says, honor the Lord 
with thy substance? Are you honoring the Lord with what belongs to you? Or do you have something or own something or do something or spend money on something that is dishonoring the Lord? If, if it is, you're robbing God of what is His. And you're taking what God owns and you're giving it to the devil. That's a dangerous thing. So that's sobering. It ought to be. We oftentimes don't look at it that way. We look at 10% of being God's and everything else is being ours. When 100% of it is God's, 90% of it's entrusted you to do with as you should. 10% of it, we don't even have to think about it because it's already told us what to do with it. All right, so having said that, honor the Lord with thy substance and with thy first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty. That's amazing. Have you ever not given to God? Have you ever withheld from the Lord what is rightfully His and used it for another cause because you couldn't afford to give it to God? Now I made a comment the other night when we were talking about faith promise missions for just a little bit that my grandpa used to tell me, son, you can't afford not to give it to God. I didn't understand it fully as a child. I did have the opportunity to witness and experience God um, take these scriptures and, and make application with it in his life where the Lord had done things for him financially that even as a child I seen the hand of God in it and was aware of the fact that, that man could not do that. Let me say to you, God can do those things for me and you. Let me say this, God solidified that he was real in my life through the life of my grandfather. Because my grandfather allowed the Lord to take scripture that he applied to his life and make application with it and experience the hand of God. And I got to witness that. Wouldn't it be good if you and I could, could allow our families to see God's hand in our life and them witness the hand of God in our life just from watching the, them watching us experience God? I knew God was real, Brother Morgan. I never questioned. I never lived a day of my life with a shame wondering if I should be an atheist. I've never, I've never lived a day in my life, listen to me now, where I ever doubted whether God existed. Was it because I looked into the heavens and had such a, a, a complexity of the mind that I just knew? No. No, I'm pretty stupid. I'm just a regular run-of-the-mill Joe. But I've seen my God do things for my grandfather that in my young mind could tell that it was only God that done it. I was privileged in that way to have a man in my life that would allow God to do for him what he done because my grandfather did not lean unto his own understanding but in all his ways acknowledged the Lord and the Lord directed his paths but the Lord filled his barns full. And so I, I, I witnessed that and I, I'm privileged to see that. And my wife and I have experienced what I'm preaching tonight in our own life and it more, uh, more solidifies to me the power of God and the presence of God in seeing his hand do for us what we could not do. So having said that, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. So I want to say this. If we'd honor the Lord with all of our substance, if we would give the first fruits of all our increase, our barns would be filled with plenty. Now, I love this because it didn't say that the barns would be bursting out the roof. It didn't say it'd be falling out the windows. I'm not preaching to you a prosperity of gospel, but we'd have plenty. Let me ask you something this, this, this evening. Do you have plenty? I, I got a pretty good indication that if I went to Brother Shane's tonight and said, Brother Shane, I'm hungry. Will you feed me? Miss Pam would put something on the table. I'd say that would be the, the same account if I went to any one of your all's houses. There would be something there that you could feed me if I was hungry. If you come to my house, you may not have exactly what you want to eat, but I assure you there'd be something there for nourishment to your bodies. What am I saying? The Lord has given us plenty. We have plenty. If we want God to take care of us in that manner, and listen, most of us have more really than our hearts could desire. Far more than we deserve. Amen. But we honor God with what he gives us. Now, I want you to notice this principle because Job, we understand, had everything, Brother Marvin, stripped away from him. Now, why did he do that? Because God got the glory out of Job's life, did he not? 
Now we understand here ultimately our, our goal is that God get the glory and ultimately God does not want us stealing the glory from him. He wants the glory. He deserves the glory. He longs for the glory and he will get the glory. And if you don't give him the glory that he deserves, we find and we'll find in a moment that we serve a jealous God. And so having said that, Job, we understand, had more than heart could wish, but he honored God. And he served God. He feared God. He, he, he was an upright man. He feared God. He eschewed evil. But we understand that God basically allowed Satan to take him down to nothing except his life. But when you get to the end of the book, what do we find at the end of the book of Job? God not only gave him what he had before he took it from him, but he gave him more. Now that's a strange thing that God would give to Job more than what Job had before God allowed Job to go through all that Job went through. I'm teaching us that God will give more through us than he will maybe to us. Because it's not necessarily God's desire that you and I have way much more than the next person beside us. It's that God, if he's given you more than the person beside of you, it's for you to do something more for his glory and for his honor. We a lot of times are trying to lay up treasures on this side of eternity that we might live a life of ease. Can I remind you, we live in a world that's cursed by God because God didn't expect us to live a life of ease. The whole idea and the whole premise that you and I work hard today and we relax tomorrow is not a godly principle. It's just not. We work today, we're going to retire when we're 60, and we're going to have life or 65, I don't know what it is, maybe 80 now, I don't know. By the time I get ready to retire, it's about to be 90. But my point is this, we have a date, you know, out there in the future. We're working for that date. You may be wasting your life away. You may be working yourself to death to retire and find out that two weeks after you quit the job that you lay down and die. God's not working for that date. You are. God's wanting you to honor him with your first fruits and with your, with your labor and he's wanting you to honor with your substance today. Why wait? Why, why put all that up? Why store all that up? Now notice with me, if you will, for just a minute that we're dealing here with the barns and that they should be filled with plenty. Honor the Lord with thy substance with the first fruits of all thy increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst with new wine. Now, hold your place there and go with me to Luke chapter number 12. Luke chapter number 12 is a very interesting story. And I want you to notice this parable. Look with me in verse number 16. Notice, if you will, this is the parable uh, of a rich man. The Bible says in Luke 12 and verse 16, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. Now, I would say, and I believe we could all agree on some level or another, that God has given us plentifully, has he not? He's given us far more than we deserve, and you and I are not hurting right now. I mean, we may not have a million in the bank, Brother Shane. We might even live paycheck to paycheck, but look at us tonight. I mean, we, got all, we all come in tonight pretty well dressed. We had something in our bellies, and for the most part, we're healthy, and we're taken good care of. But notice, if you will, he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. Now, first problem that I see in this portion of Scripture is I. Notice, if you will, that in Proverbs 3, the Bible said, In all thy ways acknowledge who? Him. All that we see this rich man considering is himself. He's not considering anyone else. He says and he thought within himself saying, what shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? <laughs> you know, I think sometimes I look at my paycheck and I think about what I'm going to pay and what I'm going to do and I forget that it's not mine at all. It's all his. So as we consider this, this man says, and he said, this will I do. So he's come to a conclusion. Well, don't we do that sometimes? We consider our financial situation. We think about the plentifulness that God has given, or that we have. We sometimes fail to even realize where it comes from. 
But then we say, um, and he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. Now I want to say this. If he had such a crop that, that he needed more buildings, why did he tear down the, the good barns that he had? Now I want you to think about this. If I had a couple good barns and they were, you know, it looked like my crop was going to fill them barns. I might need to build a bigger barn. I might need some more room. But he goes and tears down the old barns. Why? He wasn't satisfied with what he had. It wasn't just that he needed more room. No, he hit the big time. He he, he got up in that other top, top tier bracket, you know. His taxes were a little different this year. And so, man, I can afford to make me a nicer barn. A prettier barn. Something that when they go down the road and see, they know that I have arrived. Look at my barns. And a lot of times that's what happens to us. We we get blessed and we're no longer satisfied with what we've got. But now we need to keep up with the Joneses and step it up a notch and get in there with the big dogs and in the big crowd. I see it. I've got people in my life that that honestly in certain certain times in my life, you know, they, they didn't make too much money. And they live within their means. And now they make over six digits a year. And I'm going to tell you, they can't quit buying. They can't quit buying. If they lost their job, they'd lose everything they had. Because they're that steeped in debt because of all their desires and wants. They think that they have a lot of things. They have nothing. The bank has it all. And uh, they are, they are uh, subject to the, to the lender. But I, I want you to understand here what's happened is they think they've arrived. Why? They've got more than they ever had. They got more than most people that I know. But they're really not any happier than they ever were. They're right now they're miserable because if they had to find them another job, they couldn't find another job to make the money that they've got. They've put themselves in a position to where they're miserable down on the workplace. But they have to take it because if they tell the old boy I'm gone, they're going to lose everything they've got. Not just lose what they didn't need, but lose the things they needed as well. The things they had before they got the job subject to be taken from them as well, you see. So here's what happens. I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. Now this is all that he has said. Do you see that? I thought. I said. I would. I will. But then we get to verse 20, it says, But God said unto him, Thou fool. Man, how many of us are fools tonight? How many of us financially are just plumb foolish? Because we're working for a cause that God cares nothing about. And it's amazing to me because we don't consider that God gives and God takes away. We, we, we forget that at the drop of a hat we could be without See, here's the thing. I take for granted that I can get out of that bed in the morning, Brother Marvin, and go down to that job that I make my money at. And you understand that this flesh, it does get weak. And I I could hurt myself or break a leg or break an arm or I could do something that could keep me out of work. So, well, I got short-term disability. Well, just about 60% of my income is what I got for about three months and then I'm done. And I've had some injuries in the past that lasted me longer than, than three months. What are you saying today? I'm saying we, we prepare for the eating and the drinking and the merry part. That's what we're shooting for. We want that life of ease. And we forget that God didn't put us here to have a life of ease. We are the ones that's come up with this idea in our heads that we're going to have all this luxury. Jesus didn't come for luxury. He came for you and me. And we've been given an opportunity to have more than any generation before us, but we're doing less with it than any generation has ever done with what God has given us. We are not good stewards of our money. We are not good stewards of the resources that our Father in Heaven has given us. And I'll say this, what if you give it all? What if you did? You know, I've seen some people, honestly, that give to the point that there are some that made fun of them for it. I mean, I've seen people make fun of some Christians for giving more than than they thought that they ought to. You might make fun of them, but God's not going to. Because they're they're not dependent on you to get them where they need to be. They're dependent on God. And God will not take from us what he does not fill us and our barns full of plenty. If we'll honor him with our substance, 
That means I shouldn't have something that, that would dishonor God. It just doesn't. You might ought to go home tonight and look around just the things that you have and say, does that dishonor God? How did I get that? If you've got that with the health that God gave you to work the job that you've got, you better throw it out. You better say, God, I'm sorry that I took your money and I bought what is dishonoring to you. I have a television at home. If I use it to dishonor my God, it needs to go out in the trash. I'm not telling you that, that everybody that has a TV has that problem. But I'll say this, if you have that problem, you probably don't need it. You know, I've got the World Wide Web. If that World Wide Web causes me problems, that World Wide Web needs to be cut off. See, there's things that we have in our life today that dishonor God that we get it because of our substance. And we get it by what God has given us. And we're using it wrong. And I'll tell you, we're going to be judged by the way we use the money that God give us. And God did not give me money so that I could live a life of ease for the rest of my days. God will give to us to do his work. And in doing his work and being minded to use our money for his glory, God will make sure that our barns have plenty. He didn't say I'd have a new barn. He didn't say he'd give me some barns and I could tear down these and he would abundantly fill these up. But he said if I would honor him, he would give me plenty. And here's what I want you to understand. It could be that God gives you to where we need to build some barns. But we make sure that what we put in that barn we recognize we got it because God gave it to us. And God is subject to have any of it at any time he wants it. And at any beck and call, he should call for it. We should give it to him, lock, stock, and barrel, free will. God, it's yours. Do with it as you would. Now, if you want to be blessed and you want God to, to, to reinvigorate you and you want to have personal revival in your life with the Lord, you just say, God, my hands is off. The 10% is yours. My substance and my, my money and what I have is yours. What you have that God can't get honor out of, you get rid of it. What you have that dishonors God, you trash it. And then you say, alright God, this is what I've got and it's yours and at any, any will of yours that you want me to do, whatever I'm willing, you're opening yourself up, friend, to having bountiful blessings and, and really a closeness with God many have failed to ever get to that place in their life. So, having said that and, and moving right along here, the Bible says, but God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So let me say this, Brother Marvin, everything that he had was going to become somebody else's. You know what happens, Brother Shane, when everything that you have becomes somebody else's? You lose control. But what I have in my bank account right now, Brother Shane don't have any control over. I do. Now if I will it to Brother Shane, when I die, he now has control over. So here's what I'm saying to you. This man had plenty until he was dead. Then somebody else got it. And while we have it and while God has entrusted it to us, you and I are responsible for what we do with it. Just as I'm responsible for raising my children and the nurturing admonition of the Lord, just as I'm responsible for preaching what thus saith the Lord behind this pulpit and no, allowing no shenanigans in God's house, I am still also, and what I, what I will give an account for for coming past these lips, I'll give an account for how I use my substance and the money that God has provided for me. It's important. So we see here that the Bible said, But God said to him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now here's what's beautiful. He was rich. He was wealthy. But he wasn't rich toward God. Now here's what I love about this. Rich or poor, big or little, whatever it may be, God just wants it all. Now we see how the widow that had the two mites give more and cast more into the treasury than all of the others in their abundance. She didn't have anything. But she got as much of a blessing out of giving what she gave as you and I would if we took our hands off our old bank account. Because it was the motivation of her heart that God was looking at. Which means, really, it's not my, my financial status that God's looking at. He's looking at my heart. Which means he may not need my, my money. He's just wanting my heart. So if I have little and I give him little, he gets glory. 
If I have a lot and I give him a lot, then he gets glory. And so if Brother Shane was a millionaire, and I, I wasn't, and me and Brother Shane both had the same heart to give God everything that we had, me and Brother Shane would be equally blessed by God. Because God don't need to thank Shane's guy, and he don't need to thank Aaron's guy, and he don't need to thank Marvin's guy because he already has it. God could take it from me and you anytime he wants it. We're crazy if we think that we've got it. It's God's, but if we don't honor him with it, he might take it from us and leave us without. So moving on, the, the, Bible, the Bible says in Exodus 34 and 14, For thou shalt worship no other God. For the Lord whose name is jealous. I want you to find this verse. I hear pages turning, so go ahead and find it because I want you, to, want you to notice something. Exodus 34 and 14, For thou shalt worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous. Now notice in your Bible that Jealous has a capital J in front of it. Jealous is another name, Brother Ray, for God. We can call him Jealous. He is jealous, but his name is Jealous. Notice with me, if you will, but the Bible says, For thou shalt worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. Now in this portion of Scripture, God is renewing His covenant with Israel in Exodus 34, following the breaking of the tablets when Aaron you know, had, had formed the golden calf back in Exodus 32. And, and we understand here that, that in, and let me, let me find Exodus 34 because I want to show you some things here. But God is... is in this particular chapter, he is making it known there are some things that he does not want and will not put up with and he will not allow. So Exodus 34 and uh, verse number 6. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, uh, and that will by no means clear the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation. And Moses made a haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. And he said, If I now, or excuse me, if now I have found grace in thy sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us, for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for thine inheritance. And he said, Behold, I make a covenant before all thy people, I will do marvels such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation, and all the people among which thou art shall see the work of the Lord, for it is a terrible thing that I will do with thee. And notice he said in verse 12, Take heed to thyself, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, whither thou goest, lest it be for a snare in the midst of thee. He's, he's saying you don't want to get mixed up with this crowd of people. He's talking about how he's been long-suffering. How he's been merciful. You understand it was the mercies and long-suffering of God that, that Moses was begging on behalf of God's people when they had done what they done. Now he did in his wrath go down there and he did grind that thing that calf into powder, Brother Isaac, and he did straw it upon the water and he did make them drink it. But he was begging God not to wipe them out. But in this portion we find that although God is merciful and God is long-suffering and, and, and God is grace, gracious, we see he's jealous. Now a jealous God is such as he don't want to share his glory with anyone. That means you and me. Sometimes we act like we've given to God. We've done what God wanted us to do. And then we want, you know, when I've when I done what God wanted me to do, I also want to make sure Brother Marvin inadvertently knew about it. And then I, I'm, I'm really working to make sure Brother Shane and Miss Pam knows that I've done it too because you know, I want to make sure I get all the credit for what I've done. Well, I'm not going to get any credit when I have that attitude. And the idea isn't that I get the credit anyway. I don't remember who coined the phrase, but it's amazing what you can accomplish when you don't care who gets the credit. We want God to get the credit, right? But we as a prideful people, we really want the credit to go to us if we can help it. But in all reality, we want God. God will not share his glory with you and me. So here's the principle. How do we know that if we honor him with our first fruits? How do we know that if we honor him with our substance that we're going to be okay? Because there's been times with Marvin where the Lord's required a thing or two out of me that I didn't think I had it, I had it to do. 
Now, I, I understand we make comments and we say sometimes, Lord, bless those that can give and those that cannot. And I understand what that means. I'm not taking away from that statement or that remark. But sometimes we think we can't give when we can. Sometimes we, we just need to because God said to, but we don't see how the math's going to work out. Well, that's stepping out on faith and trusting God with it. Now, will God let us down? No, we see God can't lie. Let, 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 let uh, God be true and every man a liar. We see in the principle of the word of God that if we'll honor him with our first fruits and with our substance and with what we have, he will bless us. So let me say this. What happens when God asks us to give what we don't think we have to give? What do we do? Because we're, we're leaning now on our understanding. We're not leaning upon a God that, that, that's math doesn't work like ours. See, our math says that, that it's not going to play out. But here's how God's math works. God takes two fishes and five loaves and turns it into 12 basketball after he fed 5,000 saved women and children. That's how God's math works. Now, if we weren't careful, we'd think our two fishes and our five loaves just really should. Well, I'm glad I showed up with the fish and the loaves today, Brother Marvin, or you'd be hungry. <laughs> well, in all reality, God didn't want a tractor trailer load of fish and loaves. God just wanted me to give what was mine and what I had and be willing to give it all. And then God multiplies it in a way that you and I can't fathom and understand so that after it's over with, there's more left over than there was when it was given. That's the math you and I don't understand, but it's the math he does. And we live in a world of numbers and numerical codes and times and all that. God doesn't work in those ways. Here's the problem, though. If, if God had just used what the little boy had and hadn't done anything else with it, the little boy could have got the glory. God never wanted the little fellow to get the glory. God wanted to get the glory. The little fellow wasn't even really seen by the people. But the astounding amazement of what the Lord done when he took those fishes and those loaves and he multiplied it in a way. Now here's the principle. God will do more with what you give him. He, he will turn it into more than what you actually give. Why? How is that? How can he do that? How do we know that he'll do that? Because God will never share his glory with you. God will never take anything, Shane, that you give him and allow you to get the glory out of it. But if you'll take it and give to him, he'll make sure that you get it back better than you gave. Because if you don't, then you get the glory and he don't. And he's not willing to share his glory with you. It's a principle in God's word that if we're willing to give to him what we have and keep our hands off of it, regardless of the amount, regardless of the value, regardless of what area of our life is, he will give us more than what we gave. You know why a lot of us aren't giving any more to the work of God than what we are? Listen, if we would give, if we would work, if we would, if we would aim to do and give him every area of our life, whether it be finance or whatever, he would, he would continue to give more through us then he will ever give to us for the sake of tearing down our barns and living a life of ease and eating and drinking and being merry. But if we said, God, if we just give you, I'm willing to give you everything. I believe he'd give us more. And as long as we'd be willing to give it to him and as long as we keep our hands off of it, I believe he'd give us more and more and more. And here's the beautiful thing. We've got a little church here, a little congregation. We put some missionaries on. We're, we're, we're looking at our finances. We're, we're stepping out on faith in some areas. God will take what we've got here. And when we don't think we have enough to offer to him, if we're willing to give it to him and move our hands off of it, God will do more through this little church, Brother Marvin, than he will do with a 500-member church up or down the road or out the way that doesn't want to give to his work. I've seen it. I've seen churches that were willing to allow God to have every area of their life. They worked in unity they loved God. They wanted to do something. God done astounding things through those bodies. Now, this is good on a church level, but it, it better start at home. Now, you're sitting under the sound of my voice, and you know tonight whether or not you have things in your life that you've purchased or that you have, whether they dishonor God. If that's the case, you need to get rid of them tonight. You're at a standstill. You're at a crossroads. You're at a place in life from what's been preached tonight that if you don't get this portion of your life right, you're not going to be able to go further with your spiritual growth with the Lord. You've hit a roadblock tonight. You're going to have to say, God, I'm willing to have my hands off. Do with it what you want to. And I assure you that God's going to show up in a way that's going to astound you if you're just truly willing to let him have it. Now, if you're here to have a barn full just so you can live a life of ease. God's not going to help you. God's not going to work through you the way he wants to. 
Because you're already getting out of life what, you, what you're aiming for. But if what you're wanting out of life is spiritual, God will give more through you than he will ever give to you. Let's, let's look here in uh, Luke chapter number 5 for just a moment, and then I'll be done. I'm, I'm done straight from my outline, but I'm having a pretty good time tonight, so I've got good liberty. Although I'm having a good time, I'm running out of time. So let's go ahead and run to Luke chapter number 5 for just a moment. Now, while you're turning, let me, let me remind you of Psalms chapter number 50. The Bible says in Psalms chapter number 50, For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains and wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee. For the world is mine and the fullness thereof. We go to verse 14. The Bible says, Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee. Thou shalt glorify me. He's saying, you need me, but I, I don't need you. But if you give to me, I'll be there when you need me to be there for you. Now, I find we use the Lord as a spiritual crutch. And we want a spiritual 911 direct dial line to heaven when trouble comes. But he's saying, if you'd give me and offer to me what's mine with a thanksgiving heart, because it's all mine anyway, then when you call upon me, you won't have to wonder whether or not I'll answer you because I'll be there for you. Now, God's always ready for us to repent. God's always ready to open his arms back unto us. But God is not always ready to help us every time we use him for a spiritual 911 when we've got sin and problems in our life. And he's looking for us to give to him because we owe him everything and we love him and if we would do that, I believe we would have a relationship and a closeness with him that, Brother Marvin, I wouldn't have to do repenting when I went to the throne of grace. I could go to the throne of grace knowing that I'm in love with my Savior. And my Savior's in love with me. And I've given him everything because he's given me everything. And we have the relationship as such, Brother Shane, that when I wake off, the, wake off my pillow at night and I say, Lord, help me. The Lord stands ready and willing to hear my cry and to help me in my distress and in my time of trouble. I fear all too many times we have a whole lot of repenting we have to do before we can ever get to that portion of our relationship with the Lord. He's not a spiritual 911. He's not a crutch today. He wants to be Lord of our life. But he said, if I were hungry, I would not tell thee why. Because if the Lord ever got to the place where he was hungry, you and I certainly could have been no help. Because everything we are and everything we have, we only have because of his goodness. But I want to say this. God's not wanting us to give because he needs what we've got. We see that in the, 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 the story of the loaves and the fishes. So why? Why does God want what we have? God wants to bless us, Brother Marvin. God wants to show us he's in control. God wants to remind us of his power. And God can and will show us his magnificent power and give us what we stand in need of, even when it looks like we're going to do without sometimes. God, in his infinite wisdom and in his ways that are so fast finding out, gives us what we cannot give ourselves. He's not asking us to give because he wants to, to, to drain us dry and suck our blood from us like a mosquito. That's not what he's trying to do. He's wanting to bless us. He's wanting to teach us. He's wanting to show us. And I believe if we can ever get this one area right in our life that God would revive a church and set a church on a path to getting something done for his glory. But the first step is yielding your personal life to him fully. And whether you agree with it or not, or like it or not, when God has what's in your bank account, God has what's with you. So having said that, Luke chapter number 5, read you quickly, verse number 1. The Bible said, it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. Now, uh, this thought came to me. The preacher was preaching the other night. Brother O'Malley was preaching the other night. And he was talking about this particular text. And the thought hit me as he was 
bringing out a few points here. The, the Lord really didn't ask if he could get on Simon's boat. He got on Simon's boat, and he got on Simon's boat, we understand, because the crowd was pressing against him. And they backed him up plumb to the water, Brother Shane. So really, he'd run out of land, and he steps on the boat. And we know the story, and I don't have time to get into all this, but the boat was where it was at because they'd fished all night and hadn't caught anything. And they, they, they were tired. And the Bible says here that he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed to him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, here's the thing. He sits down in Simon's boat and uses what belongs to Simon for his purpose and his cause. Now, when we honor God with our substance, we're saying, God, what's mine is yours. Whether it's money, whether it's talent, whether it's time, whether it's labor, whatever it is, you say, Lord, it's yours. So, you have access to what is mine. I have a boat. You want the boat? The boat is yours. Apply that however you want to. All right? But here's what's pretty about this situation. Look here. So the Bible said he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed to him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. What, what did he want Simon to do? Simon had fished all night. He was tired. He hadn't caught nothing. He was discouraged. You ever been tired and discouraged at the same time? The Lord shows up and it seems like he just wants something else from you. You're already tired. You're already discouraged. And now the Lord shows up and he wants you to do something else for him. What did he want to do? He wanted him to thrust out a little from the land. Really not a hard task, Brother Shane, for somebody that fishes and works all the time out in the, in the waters and works in the net. I mean, just thrust that a little from the land. He just wanted a little from Simon. Just a little. I want to use your boat. I don't want to use your efforts with the boat. Just a little. Simon does it. Now, here's what happens. He entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed to him that he would thrust that a little from the land. Then he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Who benefited, Brother Marvin? from Simon thrusting out a little from the land. Those that were thronging up against the Lord Jesus Christ who was compacting themselves around him, they were benefiting from the message that Christ had given. Now, when you give a little, the Lord can take what you give and help a crowd of people get what he's wanting them to get. I fear there's a lot of Christians today that's just given a little. God will take their little and he'll do something with it because he's God. God takes a little fishes and a little loaves and God does with it. But now look with me if you will. What happens? He said, and he entered into one of the ships which was Simon's and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, sounds like he ain't done. Asking of Simon, brother Marvin. Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have told all the night. What's he doing? He's leaning under his own understanding, Brother Marvin. And have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Now notice what happens. When he thrust out a little for the Lord, the Lord benefited the people. But when he thrust out into deeper waters, the Lord helped him. Here's what I want you to notice. We're robbing ourselves today of the blessings of God because we're only wanting to give a little. But if we're willing to get out there a little bit deeper with the Lord and let the Lord let us experience Him in the way that He wants to, we'd find that multitudes of fishes show up and blessings of God come to where it would sink our ships. They'd worked all night and had nothing. Now they've got such a draft of fishes that they're having to call for help to get somebody else to bring the ships because we've got more than we know what to do with. And if we don't get them off this boat and onto your boat, we're going to sink and drown. Now we act like we're going to sink and drown because God's not doing anything. God would sink and drown us with doing more than we could handle if we'd give him everything and get willing to launch up there into the deep and go with God in places that most people aren't willing to go. We say we give till we're tired of giving. We give a little. But if we'd be willing to get out there in deeper waters, the Lord would do things for us, friend, that he don't do with just everybody. Now listen, we want God to help us in this church. We're going to have to do more than a little. We're going to have to be more than just our infinite little finite uh, carnal minds. We're going to have to get past that. You and I, if we're not careful, we think within the confines of these ears. And when we think within the confines of these ears, things don't make sense, don't look like it's going to work, don't look like it'll happen. We've got to trust God. We've got to go with God. And we've got to say, Lord, if out there in the deep, well, we might sink out there in the deep. Well, we might not, friend. 
But if we, all we ever get is a little, we're sunk already. We're sunk already if we don't get out there in the deep and let God... You know what happens is this starts getting real. It unfortunately, it gets a little too real for people sometimes. Sometimes God gets a little too real for people and they draw back because they get scared because suddenly reality starts becoming spirituality. When reality starts becoming spirituality, it'll set you on fire for God, friend. It'll put a revival in your heart that he'd be hard-pressed to let somebody stomp it out. Because the God I serve is more than just a spiritual being. He's reality. And he can take the resources that you and I have tried to harness in the years gone by and do far more with them than you and I ever could. He don't calculate like we do. He don't work like we do. What he's looking for us to do is say, Lord, what's mine is yours. And we don't have to use our minds to think when we use our obedience to do what he says to do. See, being obedient to the will of God is simply this, knowing that we don't have it understood, but we don't have to when we trust the one that does. The Lord knew that Simon could go out there, drop his net down, and bring more fish in from the will of God through obedience. You say, well, it sounds like sacrifice to me. It was obedience. Now, sometimes being obedient is sacrificial. Sometimes it will require us to sacrifice. But I'll tell you this, when we sacrifice, it pays dividends, friend. Not sometimes, but every time, because the principle in God's word is, is when you will give to him everything, take your hands off of it, he will do more for you. And here's what's beautiful. After he caught the biggest load of fish he'd ever caught in his lifetime, he quit his job the same day. Man made more money in a few minutes on the boat with Jesus than he ever made in his entire life. And he was so astounded by the power of God that he quit his occupation the same day. Now I'm not saying for you to go out and quit your job, but I will say to you this. If God has nudged you in that direction and you're too scared to do it because of your financial situation, you've already handcuffed yourself in God too. I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't be pastoring here today if I hadn't allowed the Spirit of God and the power of God to show me things that were beyond my understanding. And God opened doors through his sovereign hand through my obedience. And I'm not lifting man up, but through obedience, God allowed me the position, or the, the place in my life, the ability to have the, abil the ability to take this position because I was willing for God to move me as he seemed fit when I did not know how I would make it financially. And I can tell you this much, I've not always made the best decisions I've made decisions financially that I've had to repent for in times past prior to coming to this church. Uh, I just thought I was doing the right thing, but I didn't ask God about it. I just did it. God's been gracious enough. Now, he's allowed me to claw my way out. I've had to, I had to suffer for some of it. You know, I did make my bed. I did have to lay in it, so to speak. But God hasn't let me down. And what I'm saying to you is this. And when we put God first and we're humble before him and, he's, and we tell him, it's yours. Do with you what you want to. When we're willing to give more than a little, but we're willing to give a lot. When we're willing just to say, God, if out there in the deep's where you want me to go, out there in the deep's where I'll go. Then God shows up and does for us what we could never fathom. And then suddenly we get so entranced by God that it's no longer about the fish. It's no longer about the money. It's no longer about how many fish he caught that day or how much money it would bring. It was just about God. He got consumed by the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when the Lord said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. That they knew they could not afford to not go with the Lord Jesus Christ. It was better to be with Jesus and not be fishing than it would be to be fishing without Jesus. And here's what I want you to understand tonight. And I'm done. Let's all stand to our feet. Sister, come to the piano if you will. Do you have your hands off of what's God's? Your gods and what you have is gods. What are you doing with what is gods? What are you allowing yourself to do, or what are you allowing God to do through you? God wants to do through you. God wants your boat. God wants your time. God wants your effort. God wants your willingness. But it's because God wants to bless you. Are you beating yourself out of the blessings of God? Are you robbing yourself from the closeness of God? Are you robbing yourself from the reality of what it is to be spiritual?
just because you won't take your hands off of that part of your life. Ultimately, it's going to take God to take care of us. Ultimately, it's going to take God to give through us. And ultimately, without Him, we are nothing but failures. We have a false sense of security tonight if we think that what we have, we have because we got it on our own. And at any moment in time, we could lose it. So my question to you is this, what war do you need to tighten up? Do you have something in your life that is not honoring God? Have you took God's money and done with it in a manner that would dishonor God? You better fix that tonight. Are you willing to, uh, to take your hands off your finances and say, God, if this is what you want from me, this is what I'm willing to give. Are you even willing to consider it? See, we, we have to be willing to ask God first, God, what would you have me to do? You're robbing yourself if you're just willing to give a little. But if you allow the Lord to take you out there in the deep waters, friend, where most people never go, He can show you His reality in a way that will strengthen your faith more and more each day. And He will show you His power in a way that will awe you you won't be interested in the finances. You won't be interested in the money. You'll just be interested in being closer to him. That's all he wants anyway. And the closer you are to him, friend, the more blessings that he bestows upon you anyway. We've got it backwards today. 